1: TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Minnesota Vikings, the NFL, football. Yeah, football. Welcome to Purple Podcast. Well, welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast, Matthew Collar here, and as we preview Vikings and Bears, a huge NFC North matchup, joining us is author and high school football coach, Bobby Peters, who has uh, written the third down manual books for the Eagles and the Los Angeles Rams last year. So we've had him on a number of times to talk about those, but he is this year studying the Chicago Bears. So first of all, Bobby, how are you? I'm good.
0: I'm good.
1: Thanks for having me on. Sure. So let's start right off with the Chicago Bears offense. Last year, they are awful, and their head coach is from the 80s, and it just seemed like when they played the Vikings, they could not move the ball at all with an antiquated offense that wasn't working and very few weapons. And you just don't see this type of change very often. We saw it with the Rams and Jared Goff, and and now I feel like we're seeing it with Trubisky, Where all of a sudden there are weapons everywhere and a smart head coach in Matt Nagy. So why don't you start off by talking about how Matt Nagy has maximized some of the skills of their very good weapons, Cohen, Robinson, Burton, all these guys that they added.
0: So the, so the Bears, like you said, the Bears, the Bears have added quite a bit of talent uh, between last year and this year with the additions of Anthony Miller through the draft, Alan Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, and Trey Burton through free agency, and obviously Tariq Cohen uh, had, it, had been in place. But, but those five in particular are guys that, that Matt Nagy will feature in the passing game. He he has multiple different ways to feature each one of those guys. And he, it, it comes down to, you know, obviously it depends on the game plan and who they're playing, but, you know, throughout a game, he can choose who he wants to feature on a concept and – you know, try to isolate them in a one-on-one matchup. And he's shown through these first 10 weeks that he's got ways to get each and every one of those guys the ball if they, and make them the focal point of, of Mitch's progression, um, you know, assuming they have a one-on-one matchup because all five of them have shown the ability to win those one-on-one, one-on-one matchups throughout the season so far.
1: So how much of the Kansas City offense did Matt Nagy bring to Chicago? Clearly we've seen Andy Reid, uh, who is a, a genius and will finally, I think, start to get his due as we go forward this year, because the Chiefs have a shot at going to a Super Bowl. But Andy Reid deserves, to me, uh, Hall of Fame-level status as a head coach. He's done it in multiple different places now where he's been super successful, especially on offense. And Matt Nagy comes from Andy Reid and comes to Chicago. But, you know, we see this effect all the time with Belichick uh, people who go other places, say, like Detroit, and are a truck fire. So why is it that Nagy has been able to have some success, and what has he brought from Kansas City?
0: So so simply speaking from a schematic standpoint, first off, he's brought basically the entire system. Um, you know, Matt's been around Andy most of his coaching career. You you, you can definitely see the schematic, uh, you know, the, sch- the schematic similarities. You know, I, I always like to play, you know, a little running joke I have inside my own head is every Sunday, you know, when I watch the games, I'll play... I'll play, uh, play calling bingo in the, uh, the Matt Nagy, Andy Reid system. So I've got, you know, I've got a square for a shovel pass. You know, once they get into the red zone or they get into a short yarded situation, they'll, they'll throw a shovel pass or, you know, if they see, if they see single high coverage on early downs, they'll, they'll call four verticals out of trips. You know, there's, there's certain things that, that, that schematically are similar between, between the two coaches. And, you know, you can definitely see that, uh, you can definitely see that on a weekly basis. Now from just from a philosophy standpoint and what, and what Matt, what Matt has done, you know, initially you talked about, you know, the John Fox, the John Fox era, you know, and, and how, how different the Bears offense is. Nagy brings the biggest difference. Obviously, you know, they, they added those skill players that we mentioned before, but you know, you can add all those guys, but if you're, if, if, if you don't know how to use them, it's, you know, it's a moot point, but the biggest, the biggest thing that makes it all go is Matt's confidence and his, and his aggressiveness to take shots downfield. Number one, his confidence in his quarterback. To take those shots and to believe in him and to essentially get you know let him control the game. Last week against Detroit was a perfect example. The Bears started off the game going no huddle and Mitch directed them right down the field and they stuck with it throughout the game and and Mitch performed very well in it. You could see him making checks at the line of scrimmage, checking in and out of different plays and and he played very well. And you know last year under John Fox that just wasn't the case. I mean the Bears uh, without the staff the Bears were. The high, one of the highest percentage teams of just running the ball on first and second down last year and putting Mitch in third and longs and you just can't you can't count on converting third and longs to move the chains and a lot of times, you know, if, if, you, if you get stuffed on a first and ten run and your philosophy is, you know, not trusting your quarterback and being aggressive with them, you're, you're basically putting yourself behind an eight ball. So
1: something that's really interesting to me with how they're playing is how much the ball is distributed to everyone, that Uh, from Tariq Cohen, Taylor Gabriel, Trey Burton, Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller. They have between 24 and 37 catches, all of them. And all of them average somewhere between 11 and 14 yards per catch. And all of them have touchdowns. And and that's something that you just don't see. I mean, especially with the Vikings, where it's Thielen and Diggs, a huge gap, and then everybody else has a, a little bit of a distribution here or there. But they get the ball to everyone. So tell me, who is the most dangerous of that group?
0: Well, it, the, all all five of them are, are definitely dangerous in their own right. If, if they're and that's and that's the beauty of what Matt's doing right now is is once he figures out who's getting these one-on-one matchups, he'll he'll figure out ways to make them the first read in Mitch's progression to make it easier on Mitch. So he so he knows essentially pre-snap. Okay, they're in the coverage we talked about. I've got a one-on-one matchup. I'm basically going here and trusting that his guy can win. Last Sunday, Allen Robinson had himself a day. He he was definitely the most dangerous guy last weekend, coming off coming off the injury that he had and and coming back and playing as well as he did. I mean, it's awesome to see that he's fully healthy going into this big game against Minnesota. But what what the coaching staff did is they they put him they aligned him in the slot quite a bit this week. So they they gave him so essentially they they'd run so the so on the first drive. They ran a slant, so they put him in the middle of a trip set, and they ran him on a slant route. And what? And, and Allen is a tremendous route runner too. That's something that can't be overstated. Is his ability to win press matchups without necessarily creating a bunch, uh, using a bunch set or, or using a pick play. He'll 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 just beat his guy. He doesn't need he doesn't need the help on that. And that's that's something that you know when you align him in the slot, you give him a two way go. That it makes him very, very hard to guard. And so that first drive, he ran that slant, catches it. He, he, he didn't quite score. He took it down to the goal line. But the very next drive, the Bears line up in the same formation. He gets, he gets, uh, he releases off the ball. He kind of sells that slant route. He takes a jab inside. The defender's playing him with inside leverage. So the defender jabs with a step as well. And at that point, Allen just ran it. He ran a vertical route. The play was a poor vertical concept. And he'd gotten leverage and the, the Lions were in, uh, the Lions were in a single high coverage. I believe it was cover three. And Mitch, Mitch threw the ball right on time to him. And, you know, it's just he, he, last week he, he, he really enjoyed getting those one-on-one matchups in the slot. All
1: right. So tell me about Trubisky and, and how they use his wheels. Um, do, do they use the uh, RPOs that were supposed to take over football but really haven't? Um, I mean, isn't that funny? Like the whole offseason is spent talking about, RPOs, RPOs, this is where it came from, and this is how it's going to take over football, and it definitely hasn't. Uh, But you still see them, and this is a team that I see on tape running them from time to time. But I I feel like with Trubisky's ability to run, they actually have the option, unlike Nick Foles, of him taking off when they do RPOs. So the Bears,
0: they're definitely in the top five. I think they might be either second or third right now in the league, uh, according to Pro Football Focus, for RPO usage. And they'll 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 feature the RPOs on you know first down second down you know when they're ahead of the chains. Um, there's one in particular that they'll feature. They'll they'll line up in a trip set and they'll line up Trey Burton to the other side of the field. They'll line him up probably two or three yards from the tackle. And kind of a, a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of coaches refer to that as a nasty alignment. And what they'll do is they'll run. They'll put the back whether it's Cohen or Howard, usually Howard. Um, they'll line Howard up to the side of Burton. And they'll run an inside zone scheme and they'll read that defensive end. So pre-snap, Mitch, Mitch has a bubble screen typically to the to the uh to the trip side. He'll have Trey Burton on a about a five-yard speed out. So pre-snap, if he likes either if he has if he has numbers for the bubble side or if he has leverage on if he sees single high coverage with a corner off, he might throw that out route to Trey Burton. Uh if he sees those pre-snap, that's that's a decision he'll make and he'll essentially give a token fake to Howard and throw it out. Or post snap, what he does is he'll, is he'll read that defensive end in a true zone read fashion. Um, so, and that's that's been the case. I, maybe once or twice a game, he'll pull that and keep it. I don't think this Sunday he did. I remember he had a big play, a key, uh, a key first down the other week, doing that. So that's that's part of where his uh, once in a while where his runs come from. But uh, the majority of his runs come from uh, when he's in the pocket and he and you know he, the defense covers his first or second read and he takes off. Now this is this is where Mitch Mitch has grown so far this season. Early in the year, if his first or if his first or sometimes his second read wasn't there, he'd be taking off early, and that was that was definitely the case against New England. Um, uh, now last week he he was keeping his eyes more downfield. He hit he was working the fourth you know third sometimes the fourth read in his progression, so he didn't scramble nearly as often. And at, at times when the Lions did cover all of his receivers, you know he's definitely he's athletic enough where he where he can find that lane and take off and usually outrun usually outrun linebackers to get to the corner and pick up first downs. That's, that's been huge for the Bears on third downs so far this season.
1: Now, what I was looking at was the game against the Jets because I figured the Jets would have a lot of similarities to the Vikings in the way that they handled third downs, and they did. They run a, a lot of the zone blitzes or the zone dog blitzes and those type of things, fire zone blitzes, where you're sending, the Vikings will send uh, an extra guy and then drop someone back into coverage. This is the best way I can describe it. Maybe you've got a better way. But send someone back into, into coverage to try and confuse the quarterback so he, he doesn't have an initial read, and then the pressure will often overload from one side, right? So the Jets did that a lot. They confused him a couple of times. They forced inaccurate throws a couple times. I think that the Vikings are going to turn that stuff up against Trubisky. After last week, they used their front four to completely get after uh, Matt Stafford. But I, I think with how Trubisky likes to get the ball out quickly, they're going to use a lot of this type of zone blitzing stuff.
0: If I were defending the Bears right now, that's what I would be doing as well. Uh, the Bear, Mitch, Mitch and uh, you know, even the coaching staff, too, at times, is, they've, struggled, they've struggled to handle the blitz. And the Vikings, like you have talked about, their fire zones, I mean, I'm an offensive guy, but when I turn on, when I turn on Vikings tape, you know, and I, and I go back to their week one matchup against San Francisco, um, because I, I like studying Kyle Shanahan. So I put that film on a few weeks ago and, um, uh, you know, they, 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 they won that game because of a couple of their different fire zone calls that they had at, at the right time. They, you know, sacked. I think they might've had a sack strip on Garoppolo. They, they got a pick six off of, off of one of those pressures cause they got a guy in his face and he couldn't, he couldn't quite step into the throw. Um, uh, so if I if I were the Vikings, I would be dialing those up early and often. Um so so what makes those fire so, so getting a little into the nitty-gritty of the fire zones. So um a lot of these West a lot of West Coast offenses in the NFL, they'll refer to their six-man protection as either two jet or three jet protection. Two jet meaning the running back will be on the right, three jet will put him on the left. So what that does is it's basically a half man, half slide protection. So the center will slide away from where the running back is lined up. And that's essentially, so there's three, so there's three offensive linemen on that side, and then the running back will fill in if there's any blitzer on the other side. So the two, so the two linemen opposite of the center slide, they're in man protection, and then the back will pick up any blitz. So what makes the fire zone, so basically the offense, offense has three on, three for each side, you know, a, a balanced six man protection. So what, so what makes the fire zones that Mike Zimmer uses so effective is, He'll line up essentially, you know, in a standard four down look. So he'll have two linemen on each side. He'll bring two blitzers to one side. So he's overloading one side with four defenders mm-hmm. and he'll drop, like you talked about, he'll drop one of the defenders on the other side. One of maybe, you know, maybe the D end or you know, sometimes even the D tackle. So he'll have four rushers to one side and one to the other and he can drop six into coverage. So a fire zone in a fire zone coverage, you have three underneath defenders and three defenders over the top. So it's basically a cover three, a true cover three, but with one of the middle hook defenders coming, uh, coming on the blitz. So what, what that does is those four on one side that outnumbers the offense. And, you know, offenses do have ways to, to bring that, to bring that guard over or bring the back over. They have different checks that they can use to, you know, use to combat these fire zones. But a lot of times with the way the Vikings disguise them and when they bring them, it's just, you know, it's too late by the time that they recognize it in the guard season or the back season. Now you got pressure in the quarterback space. And, you know, it's, you know, the guys on NFL matchup, you know, Greg Cassell and Matt Bowen, they did a really good piece on, on the, uh, the Vikings fire zone blitzes. Uh, I believe it was against the Cardinals. I can't remember the other team mm-hmm. that they, that they, maybe used, the Jets.
1: They used them a lot against Cardinals and Jets.
0: Yeah. It might, it might have been the Jets, but. They, I mean, they, they do a really good job breaking breaking that down with the tape, and it's the quarter but the quarterback just has no chance. I mean, the way they disguise it as well, it's it's definitely something that you know the Bears co- And honestly, with you know with with uh, with the way things have been going, I, I I'm kind of excited to see how Nagy Nagy uh, you know how he game plans for it this week because he knows that the it's something the Vikings do quite often. So you know, I'll be interested to see what he has in his game plan. And actually, just something one of my personal favorite plays against the fire zone is. Out of a trip set, so the bears the bears use trips quite often, you as most NFL teams do. So what I, what I would do to combat the fire zones is you put the back to the single receiver side and you run the drag run the dragon concept to that single receiver side. So what you're doing is you're is you're getting the ball. The quarterback's gonna the quarterback's gonna catch it and throw it. So he's not really taking a drop. He's gonna catch the snap, stick his foot in the ground. So what so what the so what that gives the offense is it gives them a quick a quick read for the quarterback on that flat defender now the defense blitz one of their hook defenders and the other hook defender is going to have to commit to the trip side because there's a third receiver over there so the offense will get a very simple two-on-one on on the flat defender and with a free releasing back going to the flat it's a really easy way to gash the defense with that slant route coming behind it
1: yeah that's interesting you bring that up because i I was watching one blitz that the jets sent and the running back i think it might have been cohen He, instead of staying into block, he sort of snuck out and it wasn't on a, on a drag route. It was more of just like maybe a little, just like stop or whatever, hitch a couple yards or whatever, just find some space. But he was wide open and Trubisky didn't see him because I think the pressure was in his face. But if he had just checked the ball down to Cohen, who they thought was going to stay in and block and sort of forgot about him, he would have had like 20 yards. And I wonder if that would be one way to do it, is sort of make it look like they're going to block a certain guy and then slip out behind him and try something like that. But I also wonder, after watching Chicago and New England, now New England gave a lot of looks like they were going to send fire zone blitzes and then dropped out of them. There weren't very many times where New England blitzed on third down. They were usually just giving him that look, to sort of get in his head, or or not show what they wanted to do, and then drop back into zones, and that seemed to mess with Trubisky a bit.
0: Yeah, no, he definitely with, with how he struggled with the blitz. I think I think showing it and then and then backing out is another good way to, like you said, to mess with him. It's uh, you know, it, it, it definitely. I, the Vikings will definitely be bringing pressure, and and the Patriots did at times too. But like you said, if you brought pressure a few times and you show it. Maybe you can get the offense, you know, into a check of some sort, something where they have to get out quick. And, you know, if if you drop out of that, you're able to trap. You know, you can play cover two behind it. You can have the corners trap those flat routes and have, you know, that flat. So like that that dragon concept I was talking about. If uh, so, I probably should have defined the dragon concept too. So what it is, it's basically a slant by the outside receiver, and then in this case, it would be a flat by the running back. So against so against one of those coverages where they drop guys out, and they, if they play cover two behind it you know, now you've got the corner squatting on that flat route and you've got that, what the quarterback thought was the flat defender mm-hmm. instead of committing to the flat. Now he's sitting in that slant window. So a lot of times what happens in that case is the quarterback will see that guy sit in the slant window. So he'll dump it off to the flat without even looking, assuming that the corner's, you know, playing off because it's a fire zone blitz, but instead he's playing cover two. So now he's sitting there and usually that back, that's, that's an easy way to, to get your running back hurt. Uh, if you throw that out there against mm-hmm. the trapping corner, I mean, he, He can light him up with that ball in the air. So that's, that's definitely a a good, a good compliment to teams that like, you know, teams that like to blitz a lot too is, is to back out of them.
1: So what has been your overall analysis of Mitch Trubisky? Because I, I look at his numbers and some of the grades that he gets for, for throws from Pro Football Focus and he's got two outstanding games, but they came against Tampa Bay and Detroit. And so you can count on Minnesota not being like Tampa Bay and Detroit. And the rest, there's a lot of ups and downs from Trubisky. Um, where he's done some nice things and he's done some not nice things. And you met, you mentioned the, um, the numbers against the Blitz are, are not very good at all and how he's handled it. Um, but what, what do you think about the progress he's made from year one to year two?
0: So there's definitely been a tremendous amount of progress from year one to year two. And even, even so far this season, I mean, It's, it's, you know, the the Detroit game last week was, was hit by far his best game. I know his numbers weren't as good as what they were against Tampa, but I mean, his his, going through his reads, his footwork, his timing, I mean, throwing the ball on time accurately. I mean, it was, it was a complete game. It was a complete game from him. And you know, usually once or twice a game, you know, especially in the red zone, um, yeah, I know one time he tried squeezing the ball into a, a tackle eligible that was double covered and then. Um, I think against Seattle one time he kind of ran around in the pocket and just kind of, you know, threw it up into the end zone, hoping someone would come down with it. But he's usually good for one or two boneheaded plays like that a week. But last week he, he didn't have it. and He put everything together. And, um, you know, it was awesome to see that. But, you know, there there's definitely, you know, he's definitely, you know, early on in the season, you know, adjusting to the new system and the new reads and the progressions. And um, there's definitely been growth, um, like you said. So that's you know, as, as things move on, you know, obviously he probably won't have as good of a game against Minnesota just because they'll, they'll probably, you know, scheme some more pressure, ways to force him off his spot. And naturally, too, you know, they're, they're just a bet, you know, Minnesota has a better defense. So that's, you know, that's one, you know, that's, that's something that'll affect him as well.
1: When you look at the Bears as a legitimate contender, how do they sort of stack up to you? Because I know that you love watching the Los Angeles Rams and we know that the New Orleans Saints are good and seemingly getting even better week by week.
0: Are the Bears in that conversation for you? So I wouldn't put the Bears in that same level uh with New Orleans and LA quite yet, but um with a healthy Khalil Mack and a healthy Allen Robinson, they're certainly a very good football team and you know on the right day they could definitely beat those teams, but um you know it, at the end of the day it comes down to how well Trubisky plays and how well he takes care of the football and makes plays down the field and you know, last Sunday against Detroit, he was able to do that. Can he do that week in and week out? You know, that that's remained to be seen. So, um, but no, they're definitely capable. They're definitely talented enough. I mean, defensively, they've got they've got skill at all three levels of of the defense, and offensively, um, you know, although although the offensive line hasn't hasn't done real well in the in the run blocking department, they've uh, they've definitely kept Mitch pretty clean most of the season. So, um, you know, not too many holes on the offensive line. And then obviously, we talked about the skill position talent already. You uh, know, it's a major upgrade them since in, you know, since last year so.
1: So let me ask you one more thing before we wrap up, Bobby. It's just the offensive trends. I mean, I sort of made a, a, a crack about RPOs, and I wrote about bunch formations that I thought that people would follow along with the Rams. I've seen an uptick in play action. I think that more teams are using play action than they ever have before. Even if it's only a couple of percentage, it's still higher uh, than in the past. So what has been from your film study the sort of the the trend of 2018
0: um so definitely more of the same you know teams are you know the rams are still doing their thing with bunch sets um you know the saints and sean payton you know their offense has been exploding um you know i mean that's that's part of the course for those guys you know they're still doing most of the same stuff you know they're kind of more of a a west you know a, you know a, a west coast system as well um the bears it's been pretty interesting the bears you know, obviously they're they're a west coast team and you know it's kind of funny that you know you know a lot of the a lot of the perception on the bears offense and Mitch Trubisky is that you know they haven't they haven't played well this year but they find themselves sitting towards the top in points scored and mm-hmm. i think Mitch is in the top 5 in 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 certain categories but offensively you know they're you know, obviously they're a west coast system coming from the Andy Reid tree but they're i mean just the ways the biggest so the biggest overarching theme with NFL passing games is Is their ability to, like we talked about in the beginning of this podcast, is their ability to find, create one, find and create one-on-one matchups early in the quarterback's progression, make it easier on these younger quarterbacks. Um, and you know, having guys in those positions that can win one-on-one matchups. And if defenses, you know, can't figure out, can't figure out ways to disguise, to disguise brackets on these guys or, you know, disguise different zone combinations they can play, it's, it's really easy for offenses to take advantage and, and get big plays.
1: So uh, I guess I thought that more teams would copy Sean McVay than they have. Um, you know, I, I noticed the statistic that they run play action forty percent of the time almost. I mean, it's like thirty eight percent. I mean, that's just incredible. That's um, at least ten percent more than the next highest team. And I, I guess after all the success that they had, maybe teams. Kind of get stuck in their ways or think that their system is the best one and, and don't do as much copying and stealing as we think. But um, the, the motions that the Rams use and then the fake jet sweeps, maybe I see a little more of that, but not as much as I really expected
0: to. Yeah, I mean, it's you know obviously they you know they're comfortable with it, they do it. You know, there's a lot of you know I mean the more successful NFL coaches, you know Andy Reid and you know Matt Nagy too. They're they're good examples. They'll use the jet motions, they'll run. They'll run, you know, they'll run occasionally a jet sweep or two. Um, you know, they won't, they won't fake the motion as, as often as, as often as the Rams do, but they'll use it and they dabble in it because they see it as an effective way to, to, so if you got the jet motion going one way and then you're running a run play the other, the second level, the second and third level defenders, they have to freeze and they have to honor that jet motion and bump. So what that does is it allows your linemen up front to get, to get stronger double teams and then, and move, and move forward. I mean, even at the high school level, we use that on a lot of our base runs to, to create that. And like you said, I mean, you know, if it's not a part of, if it's not a part of their system, you know, it it makes a lot of sense to be added. It's a simple adjustment, you know, a lot of times too, even the Rams, they'll run, you know, breaking down these games, they maybe run the jet sweep once or twice a game, maybe, but Mm -hmm. they'll fake it. They'll fake it 15 to 20 times. You know, it's, it's one of those things where defense, they, they have to commit to it because you've done it a couple of times. You've done it just enough to be dangerous. But what they're really trying to do is freeze those second level defenders and just run outside zone and outside zone to the weak side of the formation with Todd Gurley and it, it just really helps their offensive line get up to that second level then
1: yeah yeah getting some of the guys sort of out of the box I noticed that they did that to the Vikings where Anthony Barr would be lined up close to the line of scrimmage but when they run that jet sweep action then he has to follow that uh, receiver and moves basically right out of the way. <laughs> and the you know the lineman can get their push and Gurley can get room and that's why it's one of the reasons that i i wouldn't say that Todd Gurley is an MVP candidate because i i think he's being helped a lot in a lot of different ways um you know i i would lean more toward the way that Jared Goff has actually executed that offense but for some reason Bobby doesn't seem to you like Jared Goff just doesn't seem to be getting a, a whole heck of a lot of credit for how good he's been i mean i do people think that it's all Todd Gurley, it's all the weapons, it's all Sean McVay and not him, because I saw it right up close in person. The man can throw the
0: football. Yeah, I, I mean, when I turn the tape on, to me, Jared Goff is definitely a top-ten quarterback in the NFL right now, maybe even a top-five. And, you know, when, it com- when, it comes, when we're assessing quarterbacks, we're looking at their ability to throw on time and to be accurate, and Jared Goff does both of those things very well. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, a lot of times he's got guys open – you know that some of those other teams you know that's str- that struggle offensively don't quite get because because their scheme's not as good but you know he he even with that being said i mean he he makes some tight window throws i mean that saints game I, a couple of the throws that he had down the field i remember one in particular to brandon cooks um and even one that was incomplete that he threw it was a corner out to one of his tight ends but i mean it was just a perfectly placed ball and those are some of the harder throws those deep sideline throws that with with the defender draped on them where you got a you got to drop it in a bucket, you know, a real tiny bucket down the field. We call those bucket throws. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he's able to make those throws. So, yeah, I mean, he's, he's got to me, he's a top 10, maybe even a top five quarterback in the league right now.
1: Well, I, I don't think any Vikings fan would argue with you on that after seeing what they did uh, to the Vikings earlier this year. Uh, Bobby, always awesome stuff, breaking it down for us with the X's and O's. Uh, if you want to read some of Bobby's work, the Philadelphia Eagles 2017 third down manual, also the Los Angeles Rams 2017 third down manual. I know it's from last year, but you will learn a lot about offenses and then look for the uh, the upcoming work when you're breaking down the Chicago Bears. So thanks a lot, Bobby.
0: Thanks, Matt. And bear down this week.
1: <laughs> and thank you all for uh, listening to the Purple Podcast.